0: Hey, I'm Tara Saraban and you're listening to World's Dumbest Criminals, an upbeat podcast about deadbeat crims. If you're keen to hear about the most ridiculous, bizarre and downright stupid criminals and crime stories in the world ever, you've come to the right place. In today's episode, I'll be talking about a mean Minnesota woman who made headlines as a neighbor from hell for stalking and harassing families in her street. She allegedly even bit a blind dog. I'll also be covering a Montreal man who went on a peculiar crime spree after abusing prescription drugs and staying up for three days straight, and much more. righty, let's get cracking. In 1996, Greg and Kim Hoffman and their three young children moved to Homewood Place, a quiet cul-de-sac in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. Single mother Laurie Christensen moved directly across the street from them three years later with her small daughter. At first, former Girl Scouts leader Laurie and the Hoffmans got along well and their daughters would play together. But later that year, relations dramatically soured. The Hoffmans told 2020 that their daughter and Laurie's daughter had a little tiff over nail polish. When Kim told Laurie about it, she began screaming and swearing at her. Kim was a recovering alcoholic who had been rushed to hospital earlier that year after relapsing. She collapsed at home, and when the ambulance arrived, they struggled to find her pulse. Laurie knew about this life-threatening incident. She called Kim fat and yelled at her, You should have died. Why don't you drink some more scotch? And things just went downhill from there. She would insult the Hoffmans and their children when she saw them in the street and filmed them constantly. During a six-year battle, there were more than a hundred calls to police, almost 50 citations, and dozens of delightful lorry mugshots. After calling the cops numerous times about the harassment they suffered, the Hoffmans were advised to start videoing Laurie, so they had proof of her fiendish exploits. As this story made news headlines internationally, there is a lot of footage of Laurie behaving like a diabolical asshole available online. I highly recommend you check it out. It haunts me. Although Laurie started videotaping the Hoffmans first, once they did it back to her, she accused them of stalking her. When their son Jake turned 12, the Hoffmans held a party for him in their front yard. They had a barbecue with neighbourhood families and Jake and his friends were playing basketball. The sight of all this wholesome fun sent Laurie the Wicked Witch of White Bear Lake into a tizzy. The Hoffmans videoed her maniacally skipping around out the front of her house with a ciggy hanging out of her mouth. In fact, she pretty much always has a cigarette in her hand or dangling out of her mouth. Sometimes she holds a giant glass of wine while she dementedly roams around basking in the joy of causing misery to others. She skipped around some more and got out a remote-controlled toy car and started driving it erratically on the road in front of the party, repeatedly yelling, Drunk driver! Drunk driver! For her next trick, she taunted the birthday boy, calling him the son of an alcoholic, at his 12th birthday party in front of all his friends. The pure glee she expresses while tormenting people is worthy of a horror movie. Ironically, she not only looks seriously unhinged, but she also seems pissed out of her mind, like drunk as fuck. Although Kim had struggles with alcohol addiction, there was no mention of her ever getting charged with a DUI. You know who has been charged with one, though? Laurie. She got done for driving under the influence in 1989. It's clear from the footage that Laurie loves being on camera. She has a penchant for doing sexually suggestive dances at the Hoffmans while she knows they're filming her. In some videos, she pulls up her top to expose her bra. In others, she does like a little strip tease, lifting up her skirt to her thighs and turning around to slap her ass at them. She also has a gross habit of making weird, sexually explicit licking motions at them with her tongue out. Ugh. Despite being told dozens of times by the police to stop her inexcusable behaviour, Laurie decided she'd rather amp it up a notch. She started spray-painting 25-foot-high signs aimed at humiliating the Hoffmans and hanging them on her garage door. They said things like, I saw a mummy kissing a breathalyzer, Get a life, you stalking loser freak, The guilty talk the loudest, and fat people, disgust me. Isn't she just a peach? Court documents revealed that Laurie taunted the Hoffman children by singing at them, what do you do with a drunken mother, what do you do with a drunken mother, duh, she's incredibly punchable, honestly, she makes me feel violent. In 2011, Laurie was sentenced to five years probation for her harassment and stalking of the Hoffmans, but she gave zero fucks about that. They were also granted a harassment restraining order, which Laurie violated when she videotaped them. In May 2012, the Hoffmans told CBS Minnesota that Laurie terrorising their family for years had led to personality changes in their children, who were aged 9, 10 and 15 at the time. Kim said our daughters are young enough that it's really had the biggest impact on them trusting people. It always shocks and amazes us the cruel things that she can do. Police Chief Lynn Banks told the Minnesota Star Tribune that she was stunned at the level of abuse Laurie put the Hoffmans and their kids through. She said... In my 35 years as a police officer, I have never met or heard of anybody who is so persistent in their negative behaviour toward their neighbours, or anyone. When Banks asked Laurie why she wouldn't stop doing this shit, she looked her dead in the eye and said, It's my lifelong goal to make these people's lives miserable. But apparently, it was also her hobby to make other neighbors' lives miserable too. One next-door neighbour took out a court order prohibiting Laurie from having any contact with her or her young daughter. An elderly woman who lived on the other side of her moved house as she could no longer stand Laurie's performative nastiness. In a 2013 episode of 2020, Laurie was appropriately nicknamed the neighbour from hell, but according to her, she's the real victim. In the interview, she asked, Why do I have to live my life to make them happy? They sat at home every day on their front step watching me and my daughter. Completely unapologetic about her actions, Laurie said, I'm assertive, I hold my own, but I'm also a very compassionate person. (laughs) Bullshit. She claimed she hadn't done anything wrong because it was her First Amendment right to have freedom of speech. She also has a very different version of why things went sour between her and the Hoffmans. She told 2020 that her trouble with the Hoffmans stems from their jealousy of her, because of course it does, and because Greg Hoffman wanted to have a relationship with her. Who wouldn't? She said, I had no interest in that at all. Greg wins all the awards for remaining calm and composed when he responded, It is just another thing that Laurie creates to justify her behavior. It never happened. He neglected to add that the thought of having sex with Laurie made his penis shrivel up and fall off. I know mine did. Laurie told the media she felt no remorse about telling recovering alcoholic Kim that she should have died after her alcohol relapse. When asked why she said it, she responded, Because that's where she was headed. She was the Scotch drinker, not I. You can definitely tell what a compassionate person she is from that statement. Laurie claimed that it was she who had been suffering under the harassment of the Hoffmans and said, I've just been trying to protect myself from being stalked and being bullied. Every day is opposite day for Laurie. In 2013, she was sentenced to another five years probation and 50 hours of community service after pleading guilty to a felony harassment charge. This sentence of five years probation was to start once she completed her 2011 sentence of five years probation, which was also for harassing the Hoffmans. She was also ordered to pay a $200 fine and to stay at least a mile from the Hoffmans' home, observing a no-contact order for five years. This meant Laurie was barred from returning to her house. She was also fired from her job as an executive assistant at the Metropolitan Council. Good. Laurie told the media that she saw losing her job, spending time in jail for breaking her parole conditions and being forced out of her neighbourhood as simply speed bumps in her life. In the interview, she claimed not to care about this, describing her old neighbourhood as ghetto and low class. She said, I've always been happy. I love life. Bullshit, bitch. This is not how happy people act. After getting banned from her old neighborhood for being a hideous, abusive, provocatively dancing asshole, Laurie moved to the 5200 block of East Street in neighboring White Bear Township. If we were to believe anything Laurie said about her interactions with the Hoffmans, you'd assume everything was smooth sailing once she moved away from them. But it wasn't. In 2014, Laurie was cited for misdemeanor assault, domestic assault and disorderly conduct. According to the Ramsey County Sheriff's Office, Laurie allegedly assaulted her 15-year-old daughter during an argument over doing the dishes. The police report stated that the teenager had visible cuts and abrasions. Yeah, like we know how abhorrently she behaves when she's aware that she's being filmed, so I shudder to think what she's like behind closed doors. The fact deputies were called out to Lori's new house more than a dozen times for domestic incidents gives us a sad window into what that was like. When a family bought the property and moved in next door to her in 2016, Laurie decided that making their lives miserable was her new lifelong goal. I'm hoping this means her teenage daughter had got the fuck out of there, and that's why she was looking for a new target. Fingers crossed. According to bringmethenews.com, some of the harassment the new neighbours suffered at Laurie's hands was similar to what the Hoffmans experienced but she added some outlandish new ways to terrorise them to her repertoire. The neighbours, who are identified only by their initials P.F. and T.F., said Laurie regularly filmed the family when they were outside to the point where their daughter was scared to go outdoors. She yelled obscenities at P.F. and insulted her for being blonde and not having intellectual capacity. She also accused her of being a drunk. Wow, she is obsessed with projecting her own issues onto other women, isn't she? They said she also regularly screamed and swore at the family's blind dog. In the summer of 2017, she allegedly ran into their yard and bit the blind dog. That's just off its fucking tree. Children, animals, nobody is safe. She'll try to destroy anything. She has the personality of a wood chipper. She filed a bunch of petty complaints about PF and TF to the sheriff's department and township manager about earth-shattering shit like she thought they were parking incorrectly. And she kept a female mannequin's head on a stick on her front porch and she'd turn it to look at PF when she came outside. (laughs) <laughs> Fucking hell. She also allegedly cut their cable TV and phone lines too. After years of this abuse, and probably even more creepy, gleeful, suggestive dancing and tongue movements, blah, PF and TF moved out of their home in December 2019. PF's sister and her kids moved in, and Laurie channeled her sadistic streak at them until they moved out too. So PF and TF decided to sell the property. On May 1st, 2021, one realtor reported that Laurie was harassing other agents and buyers on the site. She also took photos of his license plate and filmed his clients. Another realtor said their prospective buyers liked the property, but decided against buying it after witnessing Laurie in action, ranting and yelling about how the house had previously been inhabited by meth users... Yet another realtor said Laurie confronted him and his clients about where they'd parked and threatened to call the police. Don't think she won't. She reportedly racially harassed a family of prospective buyers who were of Asian descent, screaming at them, Fuck you! Go back to your fucking country and get the fuck out of my neighbourhood! Then she slapped her ass at them as they drove away. Nice. Some of the real estate agents who had been trying to sell the place said Laurie's mannequin head on a stick also did nothing to inspire confidence in potential buyers. One realtor who'd been trying to sell the property eventually just gave up. They said, Crazy neighbor lady was the biggest factor. Scared my buyers away as she'd be too high maintenance for them, even though they loved the home and the property. In May 2021, 58-year-old Laurie Christensen was charged with two counts of stalking, one of them a felony, as this was her third alleged stalking violation in the past decade. We fear for our lives and for the lives of the renters and prospective homebuyers and agents, said one of the homeowners in a statement included in the complaint. The case has not been decided yet, but I hope they throw the book at this demented harpy. Laurie again tried to defend her heinous actions by saying she has a First Amendment right to freedom of speech.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care.
0: After abusing prescription drugs and staying up for three days straight while hitchhiking from Montreal to Ontario, 38-year-old Alexis Duchesne became delirious and paranoid. Then, according to therecord.com, he went on a rather bizarre crime spree. At around 6am on July 24th, 2018, Alexis entered the kitchen area of Resurrection Manor in Waterloo uninvited. Clearly, he is not a vampire. When an employee asked him why he was there, he said he was looking for shelter and refreshments. He was given food and water and then asked to leave. On his way out, he happened upon a master key to the building. He used it to re-enter the premises and the room of a retired priest. He told the priest that he wanted to have a shower. Then he pulled the fire alarm. 30 people were evacuated from the building and firefighters hurried to the scene. During the commotion, Alexis went to a room on the second floor and took himself that shower. Afterwards, another retired priest questioned what he'd been doing there and Alexis scampered off. He wandered around the area for a while before walking into a house where a couple in their 80s lived. Once inside, for reasons unknown, he threw some papers around and began playing the piano. This woke up the elderly couple. Alexis asked the woman for a glass of wine, while the man called a friend about the strange incident. The friend came over and found Alexis sitting on the floor in the dining room, drinking wine and speaking in French to the woman, as if they were friends. When they asked him why he was there, he said that he was running for his life. He was barefoot and incoherent, and it took them a while to convince him to leave. After he was gone, the concerned couple called the police. Alexis then walked back to Resurrection Manor, returned their master key, and said he was sorry for his behaviour. When the police arrived at around 9.30am, Alexis tried to scurry off again. Two officers caught up to him and were injured as they struggled to put him under arrest. He was not having it. Alexis, who has a long criminal record that had previously landed him in prison, pleaded guilty to mischief, pulling a fire alarm, resisting arrest, theft, and breaking a court order to not drink alcohol. He was sentenced to six months in jail and given a year's probation. Justice Thomas McKay also ordered him to give a DNA sample and took the unusual step of banishing him from Waterloo Region. Wow! I'd hope that this meant people who commit violent crimes also got banished from Waterloo Region and it was some kind of, like, crime-free utopia. But unfortunately, it doesn't. The only incident I could find of anybody being banned from the region was this one. And, well, that's just weird. To finish up, I have a few punchline crimes for you. These are cases with hardly any information available and they sound more like jokes than something that actually happened. On March 31st, 2017, a woman was scrolling on her mobile phone as she stood on the footpath in Longgang District, China, when a man ran up to her and stole her phone. The woman ran after him but slipped on the wet street. The man continued running past a metal gate and into a building which turned out to be the Longang District Police Station. The woman followed him inside and told the police to apprehend him as he'd stolen her phone. A police officer told a reporter from Pear Video that the suspect was not familiar with the neighbourhood, which is why he ran straight to the cop shop after committing the crime. A vigilante group in Nigeria apprehended a pair of would-be car thieves, including one armed robber who apparently transformed himself into a goat in a bid to escape arrest. The police public relations officer, Mr. Muhammad, briefed journalists that while one of the thieves escaped, the other was about to be apprehended by the team when he shapeshifted into a goat. They quickly grabbed the goat and took it into custody. The police public relations officer told the media that the GOAT armed robbery suspect would be remanded in custody until investigations into the case had been concluded. (laughs) True story. 11X53, 11X53, come in. In 2007, 18-year-old Peter Addison from Stockport in England and a mate broke into the TOC-H centre in Cheshire. They vandalised the children's campsite building, smashed crockery, let off fire extinguishers and stole some t-shirts. Before they left, criminal genius Peter wrote, Peter Addison was here, in black marker, at the scene of the crime. (laughs) Dickhead. The police easily found the teenage tear away after entering his name in their computer system. When they tracked him down, he was actually wearing a T-shirt that he'd stolen during the burglary. Inspector Gareth Woods said, This crime is up there with the dumbest of all in the criminal league table. There are some pretty stupid criminals around, but to leave your own name at the scene of the crime takes the biscuit. The darkness of this lad certainly made our job a lot easier. This brings me to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe if you want to stay up to date with all future episodes. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review. If you want more dumb criminals in your life, you could join our World's Dumbest Criminals podcast Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at WD Pod and Instagram at World's Dumbest Criminals Podcast. If you'd like to support the show and get access to ad-free episodes, monthly bonus episodes and a variety of merchandise, head on over to patreon.com forward slash world's dumbest criminals. Make sure you stay tuned after the closing music to hear a promo for Dealing Justice. It's a cold case true crime podcast that has been around since 2020. Its concept is so good that an incredibly successful, renowned plagiarizer of independent podcasts has recently taken the entire concept and tried to pass it off as her own idea. And with her multi-million dollar marketing budget, most people will never even know. So make sure you check out Dealing Justice. Till next time, look after yourself, stay out of trouble. And whatever you do, don't commit a crime that makes you end up on this podcast. 911, what's the nature of your emergency?
1: Your world can change in the blink of an eye.
0: You walked into the bedroom and you know that you had been murdered.
1: So he's running up and down, screaming, oh my god, someone call 911. There are two men killing
0: a girl. I know my son, and he would not go that long without saying anything to anyone.
1: Safety can be an illusion, and reality, a nightmare. So how do you steal a person, a grown person? Unspeakable crimes can penetrate any small town, big family, pretty face or innocent child, and in the wake of a loved one's murder or disappearance, there is nothing more cruel or desperate as silence. Why won't people talk about it? That's another thing. People don't want to talk about it around here. For the families of the missing and murdered, they gambled with their sanity as they lose hope in closure and settle for justice. That's where the cold case playing cards come in. In each episode of the Dealing Justice podcast, your hosts Jennifer Dubasek and Lori Jennings will spotlight one card from the Cold Case Playing Card deck. Hear the victim's story from the friends and family who knew them best. Her mom will never stop fighting until she finds out what happens to her daughter. Learn about the crime and help close the case. Welcome to season two. We're not just playing cards; we're dealing justice.